How do marketers use technology to send the right message to the right person at the right time in a personalized yet massive scale? This is Campus on the Common, the podcast of bright ideas from Emerson College's School of Communication. Broadcasting from Boston, Massachusetts, I'm your host, Emerson College alumnus and professor of communication studies, Mark Brody. In this episode, we'll talk with Emerson College adjunct professor, Randy Harrison, about marketing automation, what it is, what it does, and why it's important for next generation marketers. Randy Harrison, welcome to Campus on the Common. You're an expert in marketing automation. What exactly is marketing automation? I'm going to give you an odd definition of this. I could get into the nuts and bolts of it, but what I, the way I view it conceptually is that what marketing automation allows us to do is to fulfill a vision that we had 20 years ago in the dot-com era as espoused by uh, Don Peppers and Martha Rogers, which was the ability with digital technology to develop one-on-one relationships, in this case, if you're a company, with your customers. Uh, this could not happen without what's happening in technology and digital technology and marketing automation. It would not be possible without that those capabilities being applied into the development of relationships between companies and its customers. So that's the conceptual framework that I work from, which allows me to bring together uh, and partner with companies, say, like HubSpot, which is a digital marketing platform based here in Cambridge, Massachusetts, or one could argue the customer relationship management digital leader, uh, Salesforce, which is based in California. And it's all really, in my mind, focused on the idea of the delivery of value one-to-one between companies and their customers. Now, using marketing automation, how is this actually manifest? I understand the conceptual side. Yeah. But if I'm you know, Joe Dokes walking down the street, what is marketing automation to me, and how does it affect my life? How do I touch it? How do I experience it? How does it... In- engage with me? Well, the truth of the matter is, I would say, it's all around you all the time. You're engaging with it all the time, whether you know it or you don't. Um, In my mind, the real pioneer in all of this probably, well, there were two. One was Eloqua in the 90s, and also, actually, Amazon. We are intersecting with the utilization of technology all the time, with digital experiences that, in fact, are are creating this one-to-one dynamic between a company and ourselves. I mean, when you do a search on Google, you know, the fact that as it's evolved over its 20-year history, it used to, you had to be pretty clear about the search terms, but you could say, give me the definition of X, Y, or Z, and it can come back with a semantically pretty close response to the query that you've made, all behind the scenes that we don't see, that's all digital. One could argue it's machine learning or artificial intelligence, but things are happening that, uh, based on our queries of the past, is fine-tuning and honing you know, the responses that it gives us, which is much more direct and hopefully more relevant to what, we, you know, what we're asking for. Um, when you go to an Amazon web page and make a purchase, when you're searching for reviews or searching for products, all of that, in theory, with our permission, is being tracked on the back end so that it can give us actually the best products, in theory, at the best price. And what's more, it can also, through the reviews and these other automated functions, give us access to what I call absolute, more absolute information so that we, in fact, can make buying decisions uh, with much more relevant information up front than we've ever done before. I know you spoke with Na last, last time on consumer behavior, but consumer behavior, the way we interact 
uh, and buy products is, is undergoing an intense change as we speak. And then if you look at something like this, which is I'm holding up a mobile phone, my iPhone, it knows who you are and where you are. And all of that is being tracked digitally so that in theory, at its best, it should be able to deliver and anticipate our needs much more accurately and deliver what we need to create value when we need it. And I can give you an example if you'd like. Sure, but first I want to get a better, more of a comprehensive understanding of market automation. So essentially it sounds like it's the software that tells you, tells me as a marketer who my potential customer is mm -hmm. and everything else that they've done yep. and perhaps what they might be interested in. Is and that it, accurate? It, that's a piece of it. It also, um, when you interact, depending on your action, you know, it triggers off a whole series of what we call workflows. You know that as well as I do, which are all automated. Uh, so that if you say, click a link based on a search result or what you're looking for on an Amazon website, it goes somewhere, but it knows. And based on that action, whether you buy or you don't buy, you know, all these follow-up activities, which can be on mobile devices, it could be online, it could be by email, you know, will happen basically automatically. In other words, if companies today are, I think, being forced to anticipate the needs of their customers, and when you anticipate, then you can create these little digital workflows that are automated. And if you think that you're on Amazon, you have millions of customers every second, you, you couldn't do this manually. It has to be automated. Mm -hmm. Now, is marketing automation the entire ecosystem, or is marketing automation software within an ecosystem that enables a marketer to connect with a customer? Oh, that's an interesting question. Well, the reason I ask is we mentioned Eloquar, which right. was a Canadian firm that came out with sort of a dominant market automation software sure. in the 90s and yep. the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. Since then, there've been a, there's a rise of a variety of other competitors out there. HubSpot and Cambridge nearby, right. yeah. one Pardot, Silver Pop, Unica. Yeah. There's, there's a number of them out there. that They're all 800-pound gorillas in their respective spaces. My understanding has been that's a, a software that enables marketers to leverage... Uh, a buyer's journey and, and the different contact points within a buyer's journey, providing content, relevant content at the right time sure. within that, right. that buyer's journey. At the same time, there's, there's data involved. So I guess my question for the audience would be, is marketing automation also customer relationship management? Are those two different elements? Is it one ecosystem? What's the relationship? What, what are the differences between the two and how are they related? Well, you know, traditionally, these have been separated functions within an organization. Uh, customer service has its own thing, sales has its own thing, and marketing had its own thing, its own database, its own infrastructure, if you want to call it that, its own IT sometimes. Uh, what you're seeing and what we're seeing across the board today is that there's a, there's a fundamental shift underneath this, which is a move from product centricity to customer centricity. And what's happening with this, and because of the technology, the infrastructure behind it, we're seeing, and, and companies like Salesforce and HubSpot are declaring in no uncertain terms that, and that these functions that have hitherto been separated are no longer separated. They're all in the service of the customer relationship and experience, and the dashboards and the ways that they connect these diverse functions into a singular point of view of a customer is now integrated and unified. And this is something that we've been dreaming about again for a long, long time, because in my mind, sales and marketing have been separated, but that's never made any sense. How can you, you can have the greatest marketing campaign if it's not connected with sales, it's not never gonna deliver the return on investment that the company expects. So 
technology is enabling this coming together of these formerly disparate business functions all in the service and focus on the customer. And that is enabled, I think, and that to me is part of the parcel of what marketing automation is all about. And data is a key driver in all of this. Now, in the past, there was the term marketing stack. And my understanding had been that we had marketing automation on one side, that would be an Eloqua, HubSpot, et cetera. And then on the other side would be a Salesforce, a customer relationship management, mm -hmm. essentially a database. Right. And you'd bring those two together in order to have a personalized digital experience mm -hmm. that was relevant to a product or service that you were trying to market. Right. So those would be two elements within the marketing stack. Are there other elements within a current marketing stack that you'd see in, in most corporate marketing departments? I'm going to flip it around a little bit if you don't mind. Let me give you an example of something that Salesforce is doing, which has shocked the hell out of me. And Salesforce is the CRM. that They're on the data side. Correct. They're traditionally on the data side. I've always looked at them as a customer relationship management database. And okay, it's a database, and it automates the sales process, the communication of a salesperson or, you know, with a prospect or a lead and hopefully an opportunity and a buying, you know, uh, a purchase of some kind or another. Okay, so that's what it is. That's its function. It, that's the way I viewed it. But as they uh, announced last year at their Dreamforce conference in San Francisco, they also have developed things like what they brand as Einstein, which is an AI-enabled Watson computer that they have scaled on their own. And they're now making it available across the whole ecosystem, the whole Salesforce ecosystem, whether you're an enterprise buyer or a small to mid-sized business. So, okay, so what does so, that... So just for clarity, so AI, so artificial, artificial intelligence, intelligence Watson, is this an IBM product? Yeah, I believe it's, it's, it's that level. It's a Watson level. It might, I'm pretty sure it's a Watson computer, which is the supercomputer of our day. And then they did some demos uh, at this Dreamforce. One was with Ben & Jerry's, one was with Marriott, and another was with this custom Italian suit maker where people are spending $5,000 for custom suits online which in my mind is extraordinary. But it, when I saw what the ability of the AI-enabled CRM database, you know, and the way that they showed it on their demos, that was in fact the enabler of the delivery of one-to-one -one experiences to its customers. The demo on Marriott Hotels, which was done by their chief diversity officer, and the fact that you could, through voice, which is another technology that's underway right now, you could in fact change your preferences dynamically on your CRM, on your own profile that could go all the way across the Marriott ecosystem and enterprise so that let's say you wanted, you need a firm pillow, you're a road warrior and you need a firm pillow. Every time I knew a fellow that needed firm pillows when he was traveling 300,000, miles a year and he always had to talk with the travel agent and then he had to confirm it with the hotel and they never had it and they used to always get angry and upset. It was, you know, is a hassle every step of the way. Now, it goes on your CRM profile, you can do it by voice, it will save your profile, and you will know, oh, Mr. Harrison, he wants a firm pillow, and it will be there before you're even there. And it ties together with every touch point that you have with Marriott Hotels, and it's all not just Siri, which doesn't have a brain, it has a brain because it's connected to your profile in your CRM with the artificial intelligence to be able to discern what your queries are all about and understand them pretty semantically, very accurately. That is 
extraordinary. And that is all about technology and automation to deliver, which is why I started off this conversation that way, that one-to-one value that we're looking for and need and want and demand now with the advent of, now we're 10 years into it, of mobile devices. 10 years into a 30-year platform, we expect instant not gratification, that's the wrong word, but we expect to get what we need instantly. We don't wait. And companies that can't deliver instant value, they're going to be the ones that are going to be the roadkill on the side. Instant value and relevance. Correct. And that's what I believe marketing automation, marketing, all of the stuff, the, the marketing stacks, everything that we're talking about is now focused uh, in the service of delivering that to customers. And for marketers, it's interesting because we never had to anticipate customers' needs before, but now we do. Uh, and obviously, you and I, try, you know, we've talked about this before. This is part of what we would like to work with with our students to help them understand C and to themselves then be able to deliver for that for their customers or their companies and employers they're working for. It really sounds like an amazingly complex ecosystem, and it's, it's really evolved from the four Ps of, of marketing, price, product, product, product um, promotion. If you're interested in becoming a professional marketer, how do you actually get into this world? I would argue there, there are a couple of ways. There's the do-it-yourself way. Now, uh, is that just, you know, stay tuned, we're going to watch a whole lot of YouTube videos? or, or it, It's more can... organized than that. Both, you know, uh, uh, most of the tech companies like HubSpot or Salesforce in particular have online certifications. They're basically offered to the public for free. You watch the videos, you read the stuff, they give you a curriculum guide on the side. If you really get it and you can play with the software itself, you can play with the HubSpot platform or the Salesforce platform to basically do some activities that they provide to you. If you do them successfully, then you can get a certification and you will have given yourself some hands-on familiarity with the tools. What I, I bring that type of framework into my classes, both with Salesforce and with HubSpot. The other piece, though, that they don't do is tell you how to use the tools, you know. Uh, it's one thing to have a wrench and have a nut and a bolt. It's, you know, another to know when to use it and how to use it and create value with it. So the other way, of course, is to come to a place like an Emerson or some other marketing um, curriculus and to learn the application of the how to use these tools as well as the tool-based competency itself. And uh, so there are two ways to do it, really. And I've seen some people actually do the do-it-yourself learning. My son, who was, uh, when he was a sophomore in high school, got HubSpot inbound certified on his own. Uh, so you can do it. People can do it. And in fact, the, the great news for the Emerson community is that, especially in the marketing side of the street, is that Salesforce, two years ago, went on the record. IDG did a global survey for them, and they found that their ecosystem within the Salesforce ecosystem, and I'm talking about partners, customers, agencies, people that are using companies and nonprofit organizations that are using Salesforce worldwide, that there will be, by 2021, guess what, that's tomorrow, three million open slots that need to be filled. HubSpot, same, not the same scale, but they have hundreds of thousands of openings and needs for skilled practitioners that not only know the tools, which is the easy part, but how to use the tools to create value, to create not just content, but to create remarkable content. There is, this has been the best time for folks looking for work in the marketing arena and looking for 
good paying work in the marketing arena since the go-go days of the dot-com era, which I remember very, and you do too, very, very well. I'm speaking with Randy Harrison about marketing automation, picking up from where we left off. What's the relationship between traditional marketing and marketing automation? In that context, there, one, one could make the argument that the way most of us learn marketing originally, which is, this is the dinosaur era, is that I started off in the concert business. We brought in this classical composer named Philip Glass, who was brand new at the time. We booked him at Harvard's uh, Sanders Theater. I had a $5,000 marketing budget, 1,200 seats to fill, and Philip, <laughs> what do you do? Uh, I quickly learned that just buying an ad in the Globe was, would sell me three tickets and I'd be fired. So, uh, you know, I just got thrown into the deep end of the pool and somehow found my way. That's one way to do it. And if you did that and had some basic understanding of what a customer was and what you were trying to accomplish when you engage with a customer or a lead or a prospect, you know, that, that is a, a self-directed motor that can drive you in a variety of different directions. I would make the argument today that institutions like the Emersons of the world, uh, you can go a lot farther, a lot faster, which is where the return on that investment comes from. And I know this because I'm a father of an 18-year-old just going to college right now, and I know how much it costs. Uh, if you really are totally into it, or you think you might be into it, going to a place like our institution is fantastic because you can really get a leg up on a lot of the marketing fundamentals very quickly. There are a couple things, though, that have to come from the person. And that is that I learned in tech in the 90s that a, the day you stop learning is the day that metaphorically speaking, it's over, you're dead. So that l uh, desire to learn or that responsibility to learn, to accept that life itself is a lifelong learning process, especially in tech, which is changing so darn fast. We're living in an era of exponential innovation, which I can get into if you want, but things are moving incredibly fast. And the responsibility for the learning is on the person. It's on anyone. So if you have that kind of passion and fire in your belly, and you know, then the choices can be you can do it yourself, uh, you can use a place like an Emerson to jumpstart, move things forward, and really learn some of the fundamentals and the human and the communication aspects that, like we just talked about, it's one thing to understand content, but it's another to create remarkable content, content that really attracts users and engagement, and to understand customers in a way so that you can intersect with the different touch points and, you know, in, with quality kind of communications that leads toward deeper relationships, greater sales, and return on investment. Uh, I wish schools like this had been in existence when I was going to college. I would have loved it. And I hope that uh, if a student is self-directed enough to understand that we just don't give it to you, you have to give it to yourself, then a place like this you can really fly. It's been my experience as a chief marketing officer in, in the commercial world that it's great to have a candidate with a marketing degree. But that's really where we start. Mm -hmm. it's, it's after that, as a, as a CMO, Chief Marketing Officer, I'm looking for somebody that's a go-getter. So when I look at a resume, and it, it could say Emerson and any one of these other wonderful communications schools out there, but if it also said Salesforce certified, HubSpot certified, some form of marketing automation certified, automatically that candidate is a lot more flexible and a lot more viable to me. That's so right. in terms of being the ultimate differentiator as a, as a marketer, this is sort of a no-brainer. 
that if you if you imagine you graduate and you've you know you've got a great resume or you went to a great school wonderful but on top of that you were already certified from the hiring manager's perspective it's wow this person already has what i need in order to monetize their position because at the end of the day they're not just going to give you the job based on your personality and the fact you went to a great school it's what value can you generate and how fast can you do that so by taking those steps while you're an undergrad or perhaps a grad to get certified in these various platforms, marketing automation, customer relationship management, you really do differentiate yourself and put yourself in a position where you're highly valued. And when you look at the economy right now, it's dramatically moving towards a technical capability, regardless of your position. Correct. I'm going to go one step further, and I found this out by through this partnership course that we we were the first in the country to do here at Emerson, uh, which we called Inbound in the Integrated Marketing Framework, and it was all focused around a live project and the opportunity for students to earn HubSpot Marketing Software Certification, which is a true certification. Um, and you, you identified something very important, which is you know, there are certain squishy skills, soft skills that students really need because today we find, as you know, we expect when we hire somebody new, there's no onboarding process anymore. Here's the job, get it done. And what's more, they don't want to hear stupid questions that you can figure out on your own. Of course, they will answer questions, but they fully expect that you will be self-directed enough to seek solutions and create answers and create value. That means that you have to be in a certain place internally in order to function and a function at that level. And part of what I've seen in these real, uh, these courses in this type of partnership environment is I've literally seen, if you think about it, we had a student at the beginning of the first day of class, a syllabus. Everything is mapped out on the calendar, what chapters to read, you know, what assignments, when they're due, everything is all mapped out for a student. We know that the real world doesn't function that way. And oftentimes, the unexpected invariably does happen. What do you do? In the context of this particular environment I, you know, we've created here, I've seen students at the beginning go, oh my God, what do I do? And then, okay, so what do you do? And then all of a sudden, they, the aha goes, oh, I, this is a problem. I have to solve it. Okay, now what can I do to solve it? And I, with, once that happens, I've literally seen students go from a person who's expecting everything to all be mapped out them to becoming a young, fully engaged, problem solver, self-directed professional that can function in a high performance level at, you know, at an A-team uh, level as well. And that is ready to go so that when you see them, when you meet them for an interview, and they have the certifications and the right keywords and the right credentials, and then you meet them and they, and they come at it from that perspective, then you know that they're the person for the job. And that's happened again and again and again with this kind of work. It's the application of critical thinking and, and the, you know, the academic opportunities to, to practice that, to prove that you can do that, to refine those skills. Bingo. And then when you add the technical competence of a marketing automation platform or a customer relationship platform, this candidate becomes golden. Bingo. They have incredible value. And I have literally seen students come out of Emerson within two years. They're making significant six-figure salaries. They're really good and they're ready to go. And you just wind them up, give them the opportunity, and off they go. And I've seen students just have phenomenal careers in this type of uh, job labor shortage environment that we're in. And 
The one last thing I do want to make sure I get across to anybody that's listening here, and that is that I've learned that this type of attitude that we're talking about isn't something you're born with. It's something you learn. I'm a parent. I had a kid. It's the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset. But again and again, I've seen young men and women go from this one thing like expecting everything to be handed to them and having been trained that way their whole lives, that's not their fault, to becoming this, this self-directed young professional entity at the highest level. That is a learned thing. And that is part of what I see the role of an institution like an Emerson to help nurture in each and every student. Well, sort of the, you know, the acceleration of the evolutionary process, if you will, especially in terms of marketing. Yes. And I, I've been fortunate enough to see that as well. And what's really amazing is when you'll have students come into school like Emerson, not really knowing exactly what they want to do, but be, with a plethora of opportunities, they get to dive in and find out where a passion and pursue that passion. Right. But what's interesting is what we're talking about is school's great for giving you the concepts and essentially that, that intellectual tool and they put in the toolbox. It's really up to the individual to take that tool out and out of that box and get busy with it. And that's really where taking the initiative to go out and learn a software if you want to be a marketer that's going to make the difference. HubSpot and Eloqua and all those marketing automation platforms, they're wonderful things. They're a great tool, but at the end of the day, they are indeed a tool. That's right. They, they're not going to do the messaging for you. They no. won't come up with a creative platform. That's on you. And that's essentially where our, our classrooms come in, to give you that idea, to give you that plan spontaneity, the ability to think out of the box consistently, to essentially answer the question, why? That's right. As Simon Sinek says, people don't buy what you do, they buy why, why you, you do, do it. it. And, and, and that's really what we're all about here with this particular school. And the, the other thing to note, of course, as well, is that we're living in a period of digital transformation. I, can, I won't do my exponential technology thing, but it's real. And every day things are doubling and move, the hockey stick is going straight up. And what that means is what we're talking about with these platforms right now, this is where the puck is. Where the puck is going, that's a whole other story. And part of what I really try to engender with students is the idea of getting velocitized. Once you get up to speed, and then you start to see what's really going on around you and where the technological uh, impacts are coming from, like say with AI and with voice and all of these other, other things, it's, that, that's, there's more to come. And it's cognizant on all of us to not to assume the responsibility, and this is where the lifelong learning comes in, to stay cogent about these things, to stay up to speed. I use as one of the key ingredients in my classes, everybody's required to subscribe to the Wall Street Journal. The Wall Street Journal is business, could be the London Times, I don't care, but you, 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 you know, we all need to have our kind of media feeds. Every day, things are happening and going on. We see case studies, things work, experiments going south, experiments working, new technological advances, new applications of technologies, new stuff all of the time. And it's up to us to stay up to speed always. And that's what I meant about the day you stop learning is the day it's over. It's like going up a down escalator and the escalator is going faster and faster. We have to run faster and faster just to stay up. So I guess all I'm saying is that HubSpot, Salesforce, they're leaders in their sectors now. Will they be leaders tomorrow? If you could think of three takeaways for the audience off the top of your head, what would they be? Well, the first one I just laid on you, which is don't stop learning. Uh, subscribe to things like the Wall Street Journal and make sure you have those inputs open constantly. Not for noise, but just to keep abreast of those things that are of interest to you. Uh, the next piece I would say is that, to me, the biggest fundamental shift that we see overall is it shift to the customer? Now that seems like it should make total, it's 
it should be totally obvious and it makes total sense, but it's a big deal. And it's one that it's easy to lose sight of uh, with all the things that we can do to measure different types of activities and different levels and ways customers engage with our products and services. It's easy to lose touch with them as human beings. And it's essential that we understand what courtesy and respect and, you know, as, as Emerson, because we're communication-based, communication is a human activity. And we need to stay cogent of that, I think, at all times. And the third thing I was just going to say is I love marketing. It's been an amazing journey. So the thing is, if you're having fun, I mean, I hope you have fun. That, to me, is the whole idea. If you're not really thrilled doing it, then don't do it, but have fun. You've been listening to Campus on the Common. We spoke with Randy Harrison, an expert in marketing automation and an adjunct professor at Emerson College. Campus on the Common provides an expert view into the field of media and communication through the lens of academic experts and industry professionals from Emerson and beyond. I'm your host, Mark Brody. We had engineering support from David Craighead. Campus on the Common is a production of Emerson College School of Communications. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts.